This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c a lot of these behaviors are ways that they can kind of get attention from their caregiver, whether it's negative or positive. Obviously, we don't love the hitting and the throwing, but to them, it's attention. It's, hey, I want to make you all know that I don't like this decision and I'm going to make it known to you. Um, so kind of understanding that that's where they're coming from. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Monday Mornings with Dr. Mona, where I welcome parents from the Peds Doc Talk community to ask their questions. We troubleshoot their concerns, and I always provide some take-home messages at the end. Thank you for joining. This podcast continues to grow because of you and your reviews, so thank you for tuning in, for being here, and for all the love you show on this podcast. On this episode, I welcome a parent to talk about hitting and throwing behaviors. Now, I have talked about this before in other episodes, but I love having parents come on because every conversation is slightly different from the last because no two kids are exactly the same. So you're going to hear me talk with this mother about her son who's 32 months old and how he throws and hits when he's upset or during a tantrum. You're going to hear me talk about why avoiding a big rise is so important but why it's so hard, what not to do when trying to discipline hitting and throwing behaviors, and how to use positive reinforcement and fill our child's cup in emotional resiliency and emotional regulation, which is so important when we talk about discipline. So stay tuned for the conversation. Hello, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. So tell me, what is on your mind today as a mom? Hi, Dr. Mona. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so I have a toddler who's 32 months old. And, um, you know, he's very lively and funny and sweet. But when he throws tantrums, his go-to is almost like immediately throwing something, whatever he's holding mm -hmm. or hitting. But he only hits of either me or my husband. So okay. at daycare, he doesn't hit any kids or his daycare teacher or his little baby sister. It's just always me or my husband. Um, okay. So yeah, I just like to chat about that. And um, he's 32 months old, right? Yes, correct. So when do you think you started noticing the throwing and hitting? And I have, I guess, two parts to this. Did you see it at a certain age? It went away, it came back, or did you notice it recently? So with the throwing that of course came when he got the skill of actually throwing something. Yes. Okay. Um, but I don't think it happened consistently, maybe until right around two years old. 
And, you know, it was around the same time as when his baby sister was born. So I know a lot of these things kind of happened around the same time. Um, And the hitting, I will say it used to, so he started tantruming when he was about one, uh, Mm -hmm. over one, one and a half, but he didn't start hitting us until later, like maybe two. It used to be when he didn't have words, he would kind of like either bang his head. But now that he's very verbal now, Mm -hmm. he gets angry. uh, But instead of like hitting his head, he now hits us. Um, So I would say the hitting started around two years old as well. And do you find that when he started being more able to communicate verbally, do you feel like it's gotten better? Or do you think it's just the same, the throwing and the hitting? You know, actually, in the past couple of weeks, I would say it's getting a little bit better. I think that as his language developed even more and getting even more advanced, we're finally able to kind of explain. But then even so, his immediate response when he's angry, which I totally understand, is to still, you know, even though he has the words to say, you know, sometimes to say what he wants or what he's angry about, his immediate reaction is to either like throw it, uh, you know, throw a toy that he's holding or come over and just like kind of hit me real hard once time, you know? Yeah. So even though he has the words, he still does that. And it's hard to kind of redirect because it's so immediate, I guess, is of the, course. Uh, the issue that I'm running into. Let's talk about the throwing. So if he's so upset, will he throw whatever in his hand or will he be so upset that he'll find something to actually throw? Like meaning just say he doesn't get what he wants or he doesn't like what's happening. Will he find an object that's sitting near him to throw it out of, um, you know, protest, if you will? No. So actually okay. he's, obsessed with cars so he's almost always holding one of his car. toy cars gotcha. and that is the most commonly thrown item it's his toy car yes um he doesn't actively seek out well actually sometimes he does if he doesn't have anything in his hand and he gets angry at something and there's something like his toddler tower he'll try to like push it over yes so it's very like he's trying to do something physical but yeah it's hard because we try to redirect him and teach him, okay, maybe, you know, uh, stomp on the floor or something, but he really just wants to push whatever he wants to push or throw whatever he wants to throw. Yeah. So that's the other issue. It's, it's hard to get him to do something, replace the behavior of throwing his toy car with something else. Yeah. And it's going to be, and we'll talk about this. It's going to be really hard to teach them, especially in the moment of that, right? Like if they're in the moment of throwing and hitting, that's not going to be the time that we're going to redirect, right? Because they're so dysregulated from the tantrum or whatever they're upset with. They're angry, if you will. They're showing their physical manifestation of their emotions that it's not going to be the time to redirect, meaning at that moment to say, okay, let's stomp our feet. So we want to try to teach those things when the child's calm. We're going to talk about that. And I'm also going to ask you in a bit, what y'all are doing right now in those moments, but let's kind of normalize what's happening here. So your child's 32 months old, started doing this, you know, um, obviously had a little bit in the early toddler years, but around two years, you brought up a few things. Now, throwing and hitting are very, like you said, normal toddler behavior. Some children do it more than others. And I think a lot of parents get confused because all of a sudden they see their child start to throw and hit and they're like, they must have learned it from somebody else. A lot of it is primitive 
innate. It's not that they're learning it from someone all the time, right? Sure, if they see a classmate throwing and hating, could they possibly, you know, like in daycare or childcare, learn that too? But a lot of it is just a very common, when I say primitive, like just an innate thing that they want to express themselves. And if they can't speak what they want, they're going to be more likely to throw, hit. And some kids, it's just more than others. Like some kids will throw themselves on the ground when they have a tantrum. Some kids will throw. Some kids will just kind of freeze and be a little confused. We all have different ways just innately that we can show our physical manifestation of emotions, right? And that's what throwing and hitting is, right? Throwing and hitting is a very common thing. Like you said, when he started to learn how to throw, right? He started to throw more, right? Because he now knows that my arm can do this. It's pretty cool. And hitting too, he starts to realize that, oh, if I bang on my mom's chest, right? Like hitting or, you know, kind of punching like how they do. If I start to just slap my mom, am I going to get a reaction from this? Am I going to get a response? And any response a child gets is a response to them, right? So whether it's us saying no, very exaggerated or getting upset, even though that's a negative reaction to them, they don't know how to differentiate in the toddler brain that this is a not good thing versus this is a favorable thing that I'm doing, right? So we'll talk about some strategies that we want to make sure we kind of do to make him understand that, you know, hitting and throwing to some degree are very normal, right? When you are playing with a ball, you're going to throw a ball. Um, Maybe you're hitting like a toy, right? Like a hammer on like a toy that, you know, you're supposed to hit, but you don't want to hit your parent. You don't want to hit other kids. I know that's not happening. And of course, we don't want to throw when we're upset. The other comment, you mentioned that he hits you guys, like you and your partner, but not really hitting the sibling or anybody in childcare, right? Right, correct. Okay, that's really great. And I love that. That's great to hear because sometimes it's not like that. And it's not unusual because they tend to be their most primitive, innate self with the people they are most comfortable with and want the most attention and love from. So kids tend to do the most things with their parent. Okay. Like they tend to be the most likely to have meltdowns and do all that with the person that they feel most vulnerable with. And so in a way, I'm not saying it's a compliment, but it can, it can be, he just really loves you and really trusts you and wants to kind of see your reaction, wants to see, you know, create that connection with you and also kind of seek your attention in a way, right? A lot of these behaviors are ways that they can kind of get attention from their caregiver, whether it's negative or positive. Obviously we don't love the hitting and the throwing, but to them it's attention. It's, Hey, I want to make y'all know that I don't like this decision and I'm going to make it known to you. Um, So kind of understanding that that's where they're coming from. And like you also said, it's gotten a little better over the last couple of weeks. This could be because of just his age, um, because of maybe some things that y'all are doing. We'll talk about that. And it also could be because of his language, right? Obviously, as they get older, he's 32 months and he'll continue to get older and older. He's going to have more ways to communicate his feelings versus getting physical, right? Now, I know some older kids that still have the hitting and the throwing, and that's what we'll talk about so that we can, in a way, I like to use the phrase, nip this in the bud, where we're not making this like, oh, this is totally normal. Don't worry about it. Don't do anything about it. No, it is normal for a kid to have the desire to throw and hit certain things, but we want to make sure they understand there's a time and a place and what that means. So I like to kind of normalize that for anyone listening, learning about throwing and hitting. And then my question that I had earlier was, Now, using the example, and we could use throwing or hitting if you're doing the same thing, that's great. What exactly are you or your partner? Maybe it's different. What are y'all doing in those moments? And I would also like to know an example, like the last time he did this, what was he upset about or what was it about? And then what did y'all do in that situation after that situation? Okay. 
so yes, and I totally agree with everything you say. And I know that it's normal and that, you know, he does it to us because he feels the most comfortable with us, which gives me kind of like that comfort. It's like, okay, at least, you know, he feels safe with us, um, which is kind of like the silver lining that I feel of this whole phase, hopefully that he's going through. But yeah, so an example, I guess the harder thing for us to deal with is the hitting because mm -hmm. it's hard for me, especially me, to not give like a sudden reaction because you know yes. sometimes all of a sudden he'll just like hit me if he's angry and I don't know that he's angry and he'll come over and hit me and of course it's hard for me at that moment to be very neutral and calm and I always usually just you know kind of react like ouch or yes. like a big reaction and that kind of escalates things yes um so the other thing I also realized is that he's at the stage now where a lot of his triggers for tantrums is like he really wants to do everything like he really his like favorite phrases right now is like I want to do it yes. I want to help too I want to do it myself and if we don't allow that or if we accidentally like do something that he wants to do that's when the hitting or throwing starts so for example it's something really really silly but he currently like loves the microwave so like if we accidentally like heat something up without like offering him the option of like, hey, do you want to come over and help me? Like if he hears the microwave, like he'll maybe let's say a month ago, he'll just like crumble to the floor and like start screaming or like run over and like start hitting us because he's mad. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the thing, like his main triggers now is like he wants to do everything himself. And then if we don't, he gets mad. And so the hitting part, I would say how we've been reacting is, I guess it's kind of our, not fault because we don't really know what to do at this moment. We've tried yeah. lots of different things. So first, you know, I tried the whole thing where the gentle parenting thing where it's like, we don't hit, okay? It's not nice. It's hurting mommy. Let's stop. But, you know, he is just continues. He'll like look at me straight in the eye and just yes. like continue hitting. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes no shopping prepping cooking or cleanup i work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next box that's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs 
and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And, you know, if he's very mad and I say, okay, I'm going to go away, then that's when he crumples and it kind of like escalates into a meltdown. Um, So we've tried that. And then we've also tried kind of like ignoring the behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, sometimes it works better because he's like, oh, I'm not getting a reaction. So then I'm going to stop. And then the third one, which, you know, my husband has done, which I'm not a fan of, but I know in the moment when everything is like really tense and he's screaming and stuff, my husband's like, go to your room right now. Yeah. So it's like that we've tried that as well. And of course that makes him really mad and he's yes. like screaming in his room. So we've tried a lot of different things. And I think probably not being consistent with our reaction is contributing to like us and him not knowing what the appropriate thing to do is. You know, so. you're hitting the nail on the head right now. And I often find that when moms or parents come on this Monday morning series, just from them talking about it in that first portion that y'all just did, you realize you're like, hmm, I'm actually saying it out loud. And I'm realizing there's some things that maybe we write differently. And I'm being honest, this is not just you. This is actually what I love about this is that you're right. You're already realizing that there are certain things. And I lo- we're going to talk about this. So the number one thing I want to go over first is all of this, like we said, is very normal. I like to reiterate that not because when I say normal, it doesn't mean we're not going to do anything about it. It just means that you're not alone. This is something that I commonly deal with, which is why I wanted you to come on the episode to talk about this. And that a lot of families obviously deal with this. And a lot of families also deal with trying to figure out what is the best way to navigate. And y'all went through a few different things, right? You went through the, okay, noticing the reaction, but also, okay, verbalizing. And I love verbalizing, but we'll talk about that in a bit. And also you all did try to do the almost like a timeout situation, go to your room. And and we're going to talk about that. None of it is bad. None of it is, oh, this is a mistake. It's now trying to realize, okay, let's look at a big picture and let's get consistency. Because like you said, consistency is like the number one, actually probably top five parenting principle of mine. And when we're trying to change behavior, whether it's picky eating, whether it's, um, you know, trying to get a child to sleep independently, I'm just using examples, right? Or this, where we're trying to move away from throwing and hitting behaviors, the consistency matters. And consistency is so many things in this, right? So the first thing we want to be consistent about is our approach. So we're going to choose an approach that makes sense for what y'all are describing and not switching. So for example, if dad does the send to your room and you do more of a sit with me, let's talk about this. I'm going to be here while you go through your emotion. That is not consistent, right? We want to try to be consistent across all primary caregivers. So if grandma's coming into the house and is commonly taking care of your son, everyone who is heavily involved in discipline, which means usually mom, maybe the partner, um, and maybe like um, if there's a nanny or a grandma or whatever, we want to make sure that everyone is doing the similar thing because then he will start to learn, okay, there's not really a united front here. I mean, just, I'm going to do this this time. This person will do this. And he gets confused, like you mentioned. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, we want that consistency. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, like with the hitting, 
I think one of the reasons why it's hard for us to be consistent is because I feel like a lot of it has to do with like my and my husband's reaction to the hitting and being hit. Like if someone just randomly came up to you and hit you, it's hard to just kind of like be cool and like respond in a certain way all the time. And I just wanted to like tie it into like with throwing, we've seen actually a lot of improvement in the last like couple of weeks, as I'm saying, because we were consistent with our response. Yes. And I wanted to mention like what we've been doing. So he's very, very obsessive vehicles and he plays with his toy cars and trucks all the time. But, you know, when his latest thing is like when his little sister, who's uh, his baby sister, she's just starting to get mobile and of course getting into his toys. And so his thing will be like, no, that's mine. And he'll get mad and he'll immediately just like throw his vehicle so what we've been doing is that in the past we said it many many times and we've given him like multiple chances and so finally my husband and I kind of just agreed like hey I think it's to the point he understands he's not supposed to throw Mm -hmm. so as soon as he throws we're gonna say I'm sorry this has to go bye-bye for today and it's amazing like today even he got kind of annoyed this morning and he held up his car like as if he was gonna throw it and he said mama, I want to throw the car. And then he stopped and he said, if I throw the car, it goes bye-bye. Yes. And then yes. he stopped himself, which was like so amazing to me, you know, that he could like, he started, he obviously doesn't do that all the time, but like when he's not too mad and not like too dysregulated, he's able to do that. So to me, it's like a positive, like, oh my gosh, he's like, yeah. learning, you know, but I find like with the hitting, that's different for us because my reaction to his hitting me is hard for me to just keep neutral because I always kind of like, ow, or like, why did you do that? You know, like kind of like in my immediate reaction to being physically hurt. So I think that's something also that I feel like my husband and I can work on is just working on how we react to him. And you said it perfectly that that is part of the consistency, right? Consistency is not only what all caregivers are doing in the response, but it's the consistency in realizing that my response really matters as a parent. Like consistency is part of it. But then the second big principle here is how we avoid the rise in our behavior. And I mentioned that earlier with the children do this, you know, they're doing this to, in a way, express their feelings, but also see how we are going to respond. And remember, that reaction he got out of you, the fact that you said, ow, oh, he just got his mom to pay attention to him, right? right? He doesn't realize that that's not a quote unquote positive response, right? He just got a response out of you. Ryan used to start to pull my hair and be playful, with right. like hitting and pulling around nine months. And mm-hmm. I've nipped this in the bud very early where, you know, I would say, nope. We don't pull mommy's hair. And if he keeps doing it, even as young as nine months, I would remove him from my the ability to grab my hair, meaning I would put mm. him down. We would play on the ground where he can't grab my hair because right. you know, I'm not holding him, but we would move the physical situation so that I re- reiterate that you can do whatever you want, but you're not having access to the pulling or the hitting. Yeah. And then the reaction is true. My husband always reacts. Ow. Oh, you know, like the big reaction and he, my son would do it more with him because he's like, oh, my dad's going to give me this awesome, cool reaction and response. And so a lot of parenting is kind of like you said, it is so hard when your child comes, even if they walk up to you and slap you across your face or try to pull your hair. It's a lot of mindfulness to kind of say, 
This is not them trying to be a bad kid. I am going to make so much change similar to what you did with the how you approach the throwing. If I control my reaction, I can do this. And if you mess, if you don't, like if you just say there is that moment where you do respond, right? And you go, Mm -hmm. ah, you're going to say, ooh, that didn't feel good. And then you're changing your tone, right? Like after realize that you made a reaction, ooh, that did not feel good. We do not pull mommy's hair. We do not hit. If you hit mommy again, I have to either hold you, right? Like meaning Mm -hmm. hold you like in a big hug or move away from him, right? right? So that he can't have access. So that becomes really big because with throwing, you're right. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. And that you said, hey, if you throw this, I have to take it away. That's a natural consequence. What that means is you are taking away the thing that he's throwing. It's very actually easy to remedy throwing because you're saying, hey, if you throw that, I have to take it. And then you follow through. You Mm -hmm. can't not follow through because if you don't commit to your boundary, which your boundary was, if you throw it, I'm taking it away. They're going to realize, oh, mommy, daddy doesn't mean business. I can throw it. But he's realizing, oh, shoot, if I throw this, they're going to take this away. And he even said it. Does not mean he's going to do it forever? No, but it's going to be repetition, right? The consistency and repetition that he's going to realize if I want to hold on to this object, which usually the thing that they're throwing, they do like, I should probably not throw it, right? Hitting is much harder because you can't remove your, like you can't physically remove your hair. You can't remove like yourself. So you may have to say, if you hit mommy, we're not allowed to hit. It's okay. And, you know, part of the verbalizing that you mentioned is very quick of, it's okay for you to be upset. I see that you really wanted to touch the microwave. We can try again later, but you cannot hit mommy. Right. And then that's the verbalization. And if he tries to run at you again and try to hit you again, you say again, it's okay that you're upset, but you cannot hit mommy. Since you're hitting mommy, I have to give you a big hug. And that means really getting him into a big bear hug. You might have to lay down with him or on you and holding his arms down while you're, again, giving physical affection. You're not restraining him. You're not like pinning him down. You're using your body with affection to say, hitting is not okay. I know that you're very upset. I understand that you wanted to touch the microwave. We'll try again later, but you cannot hit mommy. I'm going to hold your body until you're calm, until your body is relaxed. I'm going to hold your body until it's calm and it's relaxed. If you're not strong enough, because I understand sometimes these kids can be very strong. Oh yeah. I get it. Then you physically have to remove yourself from him, right? Like if he's trying to chase you, you're going to hold your body and protect yourself or even hold his arms down, right? Gently. You're not forcing it. You're not like, remember, this is not a forceful thing, but you have to protect yourself from the hitting and reaffirm that I'm not going to let you hit. And you're looking him in the eyes while he's screaming and crying and saying, I see that you're very upset, but I cannot let you hit me. I will not let you hit me. And then that's what the validation is, right? The validation is It's okay with the emotion. You can be upset that you didn't get what you wanted, but Mm -hmm. you can't hit me because you didn't get what you wanted, right? And that is how we can kind of navigate the hitting, right? I used to give Ryan a big hug. Now he's not in a hitting phase because we did a lot of this. And I'm telling you, when he was like two and a half and did some of the hitting, he was a big thrower. Um, But when Mm -hmm. he did some hitting, it was me holding him. He would be crying. He'd be trying to shake in my arms. And I would just wrap my legs over his legs, if you will. Like imagine like if you're, you know, and I would hold him in a big bear hug and I would just rock him and say, it's okay. I know you're very upset, but you can't hit mommy. And it's that repetition that helped. And if again, like you're not able to, because of strength, I understand, then you would just have to be very consistent with removing yourself so that they don't get the opportunity to hit you and have that reaction. But a lot of it, like you said, is controlling the reaction, which takes a lot of 
taking away the personal aspect of it, I understand how annoying and hard it is to be hit. Like it's not something that feels good. I get that. But recognizing that, hey, if I can control my reaction and I can change this behavior, this is going to stop and we're going to be in a much better situation, you know? So it's almost like you look at it, like how you do with the throwing that I'm going to change this because I know by changing it, I'm going to see changes in his behavior. Yeah. And I totally agree. It's controlling like our reaction to it. It's, I grew up in a household where I was kind of disciplined physically and, Mm -hmm. you know, screaming and yelling Mm -hmm. and crying was like not allowed. So if you were like Mm -hmm. loud because you were upset, like you would be physically punished. And for me, at least is the trigger of like when he, it's not like, so when he gets really mad and he tries to hit me, then he gets to the point of getting really, really mad. He'll just crumple to the ground and like flail around like a fish out of the water. Yeah. Like that's how he like gets all of his anger out. And to me, that's very triggering. Even yes. though I know that he's, that's just his body's way of way of like releasing his emotion. And it's very, very difficult for me to keep calm and like just kind of neutral about it. And I feel now thinking about it, it's like, I feel like it's probably because the way I was raised mm-hmm. that like, part of me is like, oh my goodness, like, do I need to just like physically, you know, punish him? Like sometimes it's yeah. my husband and I, we never hit him. I never want to hit him, even though like both of us came from a background where we were both physically punished. Yes. Um, but you know, at some point, like sometimes when it's like really loud and he's screaming and he's like trying to hit you, it's like, that really takes over me. And it's like, at that point, I just have to walk away because I have to take a yes. moment for myself but thankfully that doesn't happen as often as it used to like it used to escalate a lot but I feel like now he'll just crumple to the ground for like two minutes and then you know if we I find that and it's right you know with consistent feedback to him he usually gets over it a lot quicker but it's just like controlling my reaction to it it's just the toughest thing to me 100%. And you're bringing up a point that I think I talk about this a lot on other episodes. If you've listened to that, or, you know, obviously on my platform about your childhood, right? So, Mm -hmm. so much of it is you could have had a parent that didn't physically, you know, do corporal Mm -hmm. punishment, slapping, hitting, whatever. Mm -hmm. I also grew up in a household where that was the way that I was disciplined by my father and it was extremely hard. And so when I became a parent and even before that, I know how not so great that is, right? I also know that that's not a great feeling for us, right? That I don't want to raise a kid like that. That's not what I wanted. And it took a lot of mental work to say, I want to undo this because undoing this is going to be the best thing for me and my ways of coping with stress, but also for my child to understand how beneficial it is to not grow up in a household where physical punishment was the way of the game, right? And physical punishment, a lot of it could be also timeouts. I'm actually not fully against timeouts. Mm -hmm. It's not my first go-to. I personally, like in this situation, I would rather have you walk away from him in the same room where you're saying, it's okay to be upset, but you're hitting mommy. Mommy's going to step away and go into the kitchen. I'm here if you need a hug. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. You know, you can reiterate that you can have physical contact, but the only way you're having physical contact with me is if you need a hug to regulate your big emotions right now. Right. Right. And if he tries to come at you with a physical hit, you cannot hit me. I can give you a hug. That's something that I want you to verbalize, too. It doesn't mean that he's going to do it that day, but it's something that he'll start to realize. Mommy's not going anywhere. I'm not getting punished for having the big feeling. Timeouts, you know, timeouts are tough because. It's usually it's out of our own stress, right? We are so over, we're dysregulated and we're like, just go to your room. It's usually not a, it's not, you know, I'll do a whole thing about timeouts, but it tends to be because we're frustrated and that doesn't help them learning anything. So we really want to try to, in my opinion, like I would really try to stay in the same room. So he knows that I'm okay that you're feeling upset, but you're not going to have access to hitting me. And if you do try to hit me, I'm here and available for a hug. And that is physical attention that, and physical affection that is beneficial, right? Obviously, that's the attention that he probably will love to do. And you'll probably find that by saying that more and more, it's okay you know, to feel upset. You cannot hit me. If you need me, I'm here for you. Like right. So he gets that, shoot, I had this big feeling. I'm trying to hit my mom. She will not let me near her to hit her. But maybe I do need a hug. And physical affection, like a hug, is like extremely powerful. I mean, I can't stress enough how some people feel like, oh, I'm not a hugger, but it is human nature. Physical contact is something that can be very beneficial to a lot of children. Not every kid is a hugger, but it's offering it, right? Like it's part of the package of I'm here if you need me, if you need a hug, if you need that connection, but I will not let you hit me. Like it's not going to happen. So if you hit me, I'm holding down your arms or I'm giving you a big hug so that you can't hit me, but that I still love you. You know, like when they feel that we're sending them away or getting mad at them for having the feel like they can't differentiate the feeling versus the behavior that much. Right. So we have to kind of set that repetition and that consistency of I'm taking your toy away if you throw it. Um, If you try to hit me, I'm holding your arms down. So then they get it. But then we also want to still show them that we love them even when they're having the big feeling that led to that not desirable behavior because we're not okaying the behavior, right? We're okaying the Mm -hmm. feeling, but we're trying to teach them over time that you can have the feeling, but that doesn't mean you have to execute it in like this way that's physical. Right. I do have a question though. Sometimes when he gets really mad and we don't usually say to him, go to your room that I think that was like maybe one time that my husband was just felt overwhelmed, but sometimes he does ask, he's like, I want to go upstairs and take mm-hmm. a quiet time. Like he Perfect. will ask us to yes. do that. That's fine. And yeah, so I was wondering, like, 
when he does that, I always offer, okay, do you want mama to come with you? And he's always like, no, you know, he'll, but sometimes when he's mad, I can't, when he says no, he actually means yes. Or like, gotcha. when he says yes, he actually means no. So it's like, in that situation, would you recommend that I go with him? Even if he says no, like, should I so go with I him? I love this question. I love this question because yes, they sometimes don't know what they need when they're dysregulated, right? Yeah. So using the example of with Ryan, like I'll say, Hey Ryan, if you need me, I'm here and I'll give you a hug. I don't want a hug. And then 10 seconds later, mommy hug. Right. So one thing that you can do if you have the time to do this, and I know it depends on, you know, you have another child, if your partner's there is say, Hey, you want your moment? I'll be outside your door, open the door when you need me. Right. So that they know that I'm okay with you having quiet time, but if you change your mind, I'm not going to be there. Another example, if depending on the age and the ability to walk downstairs and your comfortability with safety is saying, that's perfectly fine. But remember, mommy's here if you need her. So you can come back downstairs or you can call for mommy if you need her. And I'm going to come right up for you. So using those things, I like the sitting outside, like sometimes like when Ryan, we do some like safe corners, like, and we have a little chair in his play area. And so we'll sit there and I'll just be on the other side and he'll just come over when he's ready. But usually he realizes sooner than later that, you know what, I actually want some physical hug or I want a physical tension. But initially they're confused. You're right. This is completely normal that they're going to be like, I don't know what the heck I want because I'm dysregulated. They're dysregulated. They don't understand. They just have all these big emotions and they're only three, you know, not even that they don't understand. Well, what am I supposed to do with this? But our repetition of you can have this if you want to go, that's fine. If you're able to standing outside the room is so that, you know, for safety and also proximity. But if you're not able to do that, if you trust the ability for them to call for you, safety, all that, then you can be downstairs or wait for him. Um, But that is perfectly reasonable to do as well. Um, And then reiterating it during that moment is really key. Like whenever we go through that, when Ryan was learning about this, you know, we'd say, I see that you're having big feelings. And then we squat down on the ground. Like, do you need a hug right now? Right. I'd say that when he's having like just a tantrum, not even hitting or whatever. And he would say no hug. And I'm like, okay, but I'm here if you want a hug. And then I would check in Mm -hmm. again. Like just say I went into the kitchen to do something and he's like still upset. I was still in the room, but I had to make dinner. Right. So I turn around again, kneel down and say, you're, I see that you're very upset. Not like every second. Right. But just giving like a little minute and say, I see that you're really upset. If you want a hug, mommy's here for a big hug. And then maybe that time he switches, maybe not. Right. But The repetition, again, going back to that repetition of offering, helps Mm -hmm. them understand that you're not going anywhere, meaning you're still going to love your child, which you do, regardless of them having these extremely big emotions. And going back to your childhood, we were not taught that, right? We were taught that our big emotions were negative. So Mm -hmm. you have to now tell yourself, it is okay to have this. And you know, I hope this conversation helps, but it is okay to be upset, right? It is okay. But now... I have to be okay with the being upset and I'm going to use this and say it's okay and teach my child that his emotions are valid, but that I need to teach him that he can't hit me, throw, da, 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 all that stuff that we're talking about. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other point of all this hitting and throwing, which I mentioned I would talk about was really giving the opportunities of when he can hit or throw. So when he's calm, right, we're talking about now when things are great, right? Like there's no tantrum, there's no microwave issues, all of that. So just say, you know, when he's throwing a ball outside, obviously saying, yes, great job throwing your ball. You're doing a great job. You're putting it in the neurons in his brain that, oh, throwing a ball, mommy was really happy with. Okay, cool. Like I can throw a ball outside, right? You know, they sell toys that are like those play hammers with like kind of hammer things in like these like toys with pegs in Mm -hmm. a hole. 
giving examples, right? That's something like hitting. Yes, great job hitting the toy. This is what we're able to hit, right? Good right. job. Like any opportunity that you see that. You may not, you may forget, that's okay, but we're trying to use the yeses, right? When are those behaviors okay? There's not many behaviors that are going to, or many times that that's going to be okay, but we want to really give that opportunity to that child to say, here's the yes situation. Here is when you're okay to do those things. And I'm actually okay with it. And you can say really great job. Wow. You really got that peg in, or you really threw that ball really far. And then also giving that opportunity, like you said, of just yeses in general with like all the things like the microwave, right? Giving him opportunities as much as you can of doing the things that he, that cause the tantrum, right? Like if it right. is that you can have him use that microwave, let him use it. Like, you know, that that's something he really likes. And so when he, if that's a source of a lot of tantrum, just giving an example, then you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take the 10 extra seconds that it takes for him to do it versus myself, because it fills his cup because it makes him feel so good. I get it as parents. Sometimes we can't let them do that for time reasons or whatever, but yeah. when you're able to, and then when he does do it, we want to build that up and say, really great job. Next time, mommy may do it, but thank you so much for helping me. It means so much. And you can put it in his brain that he did it once. Maybe mommy will do it next time. But you're saying, wow. And it's okay to build up their cup and build up the things that are good because that's what makes the good parts of the brain, the stuff that we want to stick enlarge, right? That's the stuff that right. we want, the behaviors that we love. We want to give positive reinforcement. We want to praise the good quote unquote behaviors, right? We want to okay those big emotions, but really start to okay the behaviors that we're really wanting in our family, right? Helping, yeah. using the microwave, throwing when we're supposed to throw, hitting when we're supposed to hit. But then when it's time to not do those behaviors, we want to be very consistent, repetition and controlling the rise. I mean, like we mentioned, which is so hard and it goes back to the childhood, it goes back to really telling yourself, and that's trained stuff that you're going to have to do even before these moments happen of, mm -hmm. if I can stay calm, this is going to change his behavior. I'm going to do this. I do not like when he hits me, but that's okay. I am the parent. I can be the strong one. I can get through this. Like you really have to like self-talk yourself into saying I can handle this, you know? Um, oh, and yeah. then the last thing was about, you were mentioning about like the stomping the feet and all of that, like meaning like mm -hmm. um, other ways to cope with stress. So we, we want to do that in periods of calm too. So just say y'all are playing and it has to be a happy moment, right? Like where things are joyful and you yeah. can say, just say you're reading like a feelings book. Like I love feelings book or talking about feelings. And just say you see someone who's angry in like a storybook or someone you say, Hey, this person looks angry. What can we do when we're feeling very angry? Oh, we can take a deep breath. We can stomp our feet, meaning like run in place, right? We don't want to like stomp right. up the stairs, right? But run in place. We can give, if we're feeling very angry, we can take the, like the deep breath or give mommy a hug. So when you see those people, or moments, that is when we're going to start to teach them the coping skills when they're calm, right? Another right. example is like at a store or a public place, like kids are going to throw tantrums. The a way that we teach compassion and also empathy and also self-regulation for a child is if you see a child throwing a tantrum rather than saying, oh, that kid's a, like I've heard parents do this. Oh, that kid's a baby. Da, da, da. No, obviously that's not true. Your kid has done tantrums also. Right. You say, Oh, you see, he's very sad right now. What can we do when we're feeling very sad? Oh, mommy, yeah. we can give a hug so that we're normalizing that tantrums do happen, that children will throw tantrums. It's fine. We're not shaming anybody. And that we're also showing compassion and empathy. And you're going to find that with that, you're going to 
build a skill, which I think a lot of parents forget about, which is compassion and empathy of other human beings. And that's going to teach them self-regulation when they're upset because they're being taught in this microcosm of my parents showing me that other children also go through this as well. And even Mm -hmm. when your daughter, just say she's seven months and she starts to have tantrums rather than saying, oh, she's so difficult, like in front of him, hey, sweetie, you know, your sister is feeling really upset. What can we do when someone's feeling upset? Like, That is how he's going to also Mm -hmm. learn that it's okay that I have big feelings. It's okay that my sister has big feelings. It's okay that the girl down the street has big feelings. And it's okay if my mommy has big feelings. But we can do this with coping skills, self-regulation. And this is like, again, it uh, goes on a tangent above what we're talking about. But I think it really matters when we're talking about development behavior and how children learn to cope with their emotions. When they start to normalize that this happens to everyone, but now we are in control of how we regulate it. Right. Oh, that makes so much sense. And yeah, yeah, I really need to practice with them more in a calm setting, Mm -hmm. you know, the reacting to being angry and stuff. We do a lot of that. You know, he throws balls and uh, we like to reiterate, oh, that's a great throw. You know, we can throw balls. Balls are great to throw. But with the hitting part, you know, I feel like we need to practice that in a calm setting more. And the suggestion you brought up about, you know, reading the feelings book and practicing it then is a, is a great suggestion. I don't think we've done, we have feelings books, but I don't think we've ever talked about actually practicing. Oh, let's like stomp our feet when we're angry. Let's practice it right now. Like, I don't think I do enough of that. And so that's probably what, what we need to do is kind of like repeat behavior that we want to see, but in a calm setting when he's not throwing a tantrum. And the best way is, like I said, in natural things in your life. I don't want you to have to create situations, right? So you don't, doesn't mean that you have to go outside to throw a ball. If you're throwing a ball, that's when it happens. So that's why I like to use books as a great tool, because mm-hmm. if you do, I hope, you know, if you are doing story time, just say it is an emotions book that you have, you throw that in there. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not even a book about emotions. Sometimes it's a story about a wolf and, you know, the three bears. Sometimes the bear is upset. And then you use the a bear being upset as an avenue of teaching about emotions, right? Like using anything in your life versus trying to create situations that way, it's very natural, right? And it's part of right. your daily routine. And that's why I use the example of birthday parties and activities, because I do feel it as, like I said, that compassion piece and that learning opportunity to say, it's okay. Sometimes you're sad. Sometimes mommy's sad. Sometimes we're frustrated. And then we can teach in that moment because they're calm, right? Like if they're not throwing the tantrum and they start to register in their brain. I mean, this goes back to cognitive development, right? Cognitive development is how a child learns about their selves and how they interact with the world and how the world interacts with them and how everything connects. And so I feel like so much of what we can teach our kids is cognitive development. And that means stuff in their daily life. Right. Um, right. And so don't ever feel like you have to create these special opportunities because that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like you have to like, oh, shoot, you talk to your partner. and You're like, oh, my gosh, we forgot to teach him how to jog in place today <laughs> as a coping skill. Don't that's not what we do either. Right. We just use right. it. Naturally, it's going to come. Like just from being with your child and people having emotions around you, maybe you had a big feeling and cried one day. Maybe your husband was very upset about something. Using those opportunities as ways of teaching them about emotional regulation so that when they actually do get to those moments, combined with the, we don't throw, I'm taking away the toy, all of that, it's all a package deal, right? It's normalizing the feeling, filling their cup, and it's also saying, we can't do this behavior, and I'm going to be very very consistent about following through with you not being able to do that behavior, which is like hitting me, your dad, throwing something. And it sounds like y'all are on the right track. And now it's just about 
really getting down to that emotional regulation piece of, I can do this. I'm going to do this. We're going to teach him. And the more I'm able to self-regulate and, you know, not have that rise, I'm going to see change. And I can't wait to touch base with you in a few weeks because I think you're going to see changes in just a month of doing this. Oh, yeah. I really hope so. And I agree that that's the biggest thing for me and my husband is just to emotionally regulate ourselves before we react to our son. So yeah, that's, I'm so glad I cannot wait to touch base with you about this because I really think it's going to be something that really does change for the better. You're already seeing in the last couple of weeks, some changes, and this is just going to be the icing on the cake. So thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Mona, for having me. And thank you for all you do. I loved this conversation. We talked about hitting and throwing, but we also brought up some really important principles that I just think are so vital when we talk about discipline and child behavior. I want to wrap up this episode like I do with all of my Monday morning episodes by talking about three take-home points. These are three parenting principles that you can apply to this situation. These principles can also be used in many other different situations as a parent. The principles we're talking about today are consistency, avoiding the rise or big reaction, and giving opportunities for yeses. So in terms of consistency, you heard me talk with this mother how important it is for all caregivers to be on the same page on how we're going to approach throwing, hitting, and other behaviors. This is really important so the child can get that understanding that this is how we are going to do things in this family and this is what's important to my caregivers. Consistency also is important in how we respond. Of course, sometimes you may have a bad day. Of course, sometimes your child is going to hit you and it's going to really hurt and you may not have that calm reaction all the time, but it's really important in the big picture to understand why we're doing the things that we do, why we want to be consistent and why we want to do the second thing, which is avoiding the big rise. Avoiding the big rise is so important because kids are looking at how we respond. Not only if we positively respond, so if we give positive reinforcement, they're going to love that, but they're also going to look at if we give big emotions that are quote unquote more negative emotions like yelling, upset, because that just got them a response as well. They are looking for a response, attention, regardless of if that is positive or negative to them because they just got you to pay attention to them. And that is kind of what they want when they're doing these behaviors. They want to say to you, I am upset and I need you to know and see that I'm upset. So if we start to verbalize and say, hey, I see that you're upset, but you're not allowed to throw. Not only are we seeing them for what's going on, but we are setting healthy boundaries with that consistency. And avoiding the big rise is really hard, like we mentioned. You know, sometimes you are going to get upset or maybe react and you're like, oh, I want it to be more calm and not feel like phased by them hitting me. And it's really important to really check back in and say, okay, whoop, I just responded and say, ooh, you hit mommy. That hurt mommy. Remember, we cannot hit. And if you hit mommy, I have to move you away or I have to move away. It's very important that we start to recognize how vital avoiding the big rise can be. It doesn't mean that we're going to be calm, cool, and collected every time, but we really want to remember how useful this is going to be in the long run, because if we recognize that, we're more likely to do it. And a lot of this comes from looking at our childhood, looking how we looked at emotions growing up and how we look at emotions now, how we were disciplined, which is a conversation me and the mom guest had on this episode, which I think is a really important take home point as well. 
And the last parenting principle, which there are so many, but of course I wanted to kind of keep it to three, is giving opportunities for yeses. So you heard me mention to the mom that it's very important when you are naturally in a situation where you can teach coping skills, when they're calm, when they're playing with a ball, throwing something that is allowed to be thrown, that you are okaying and recognizing that behavior and when it's appropriate. Great job throwing the ball. You threw really hard. We get to throw balls outside. You don't need to tell them then and there, repeat all the time, okay, don't throw your toys, don't throw your toys. You can kind of throw it in there. But the more we build into their brain where you're allowed to throw, if they're allowed to hit something, like I said, if they're hitting like a hammer on like a toy that has like a peg or something, using those opportunities to build those neurons that this is something that's okay with my caregivers, awesome. And then really being consistent with things when they're not okay. So if we want to stop throwing behavior, hey, I see that you're upset, but you can't throw your toy. If you throw your toy, mommy takes it away. If they throw it, you follow through. The more we can do that with consistency, the more we can avoid the big rise, the more you're going to see their cup be filled with all of these opportunities for yeses, but their understanding start to build that we're not allowed to do those behaviors, but it's okay to have big emotions. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so grateful to be able to do this for you all and speak to parents directly from this community. So make sure to leave a review if you found this helpful and share it with a friend or share it on social media. Remember to sign up for my email list because this is how you can stay up to date on all things parenting and health news, any workshops I'm doing and so much more. And it's also how I release the form to come on as a guest parent on this podcast to ask me a question. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to talk to another parent next time. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.